The other thing I want to say is who revived Dan Marino's commercial appeal? He seems in, to be in every other ad, too. Best, best agent in the world. Best whoever's agent in the world. Who's ever representing him. Welcome to Wait What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee. The podcast where we take a somewhat irreverent, somewhat cynical, and sometimes yes, and even sometimes serious look at the business of sports. This is the Valentine's Day edition. David, what's up? The Valentine's Day week edition, I guess, depending on when we get this thing pushed out, right? Well, we're um, recording but- on Valentine's Day. I thought you, I thought you were saying that uh, you are such a a good uh, a good person that you uh, give Karen a Valentine's week. Yes, that's what I'm going with. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it from here on out. Is is the way I, we'll I, I go. do know she listens, so well, I will vouch <laughs> for you. Well, listen, I you know I think I think I'd like to start with I, I think I can do a collective pat on both of our backs. I think we I think we kind of crushed things. I I was really good. My predictions yeah. were really good. Yeah, I just you are. Uh, you know, any other time I would have been taking a victory lap, but. But, to recount, when we when we recorded last week, we gave our predictions. I will give the second place prediction first. I predicted the Chiefs would win 27-24. You predicted the winning prediction, 24-21. You were a total of two points off. So both of us had the spread right. Yes. The winning team right, which is yeah. pretty impressive. And honestly, the fact that that it got to as close as it was because it was a pretty, it looked like, are these teams going to score? Or what is going to yeah. be an incredibly low scoring game. Um, but we also talked about it likely coming down to the end of the game, which of course it not only did that, it went into overtime. Um, unfortunately the 49ers players didn't seem to know the rules of, of, <laughs> of overtime in the playoffs, which was maybe a contributing factor for why they decided to um, take the ball thinking they could end it. But um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was it was shocking that none. Of, I shouldn't say none. Many of the players on the San Francisco 49ers did not seem to be aware of the rules. More importantly, it didn't seem that Coach Shanahan was aware of the rules. Um, and on the flip side, right, uh, the Chiefs said they practiced that scenario on a weekly basis. So I guess they took one, you know, one day a week and, and they would work on that. I mean, it would just seem to me that given the rules of overtime now, you would want to defer, which the 49ers had the option to do, because then you see what you need to get, right? Chiefs get the ball first, whether they are stopped, whether they score a touchdown, whether they get a field goal. The 49ers getting the ball second then realize what they have to do. Um, And then you combine that with the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, 49ers had the highest-ranked defense in the NFC, so uh, you would think that they would and, – and, yes, I know it's Mahomes, and, yes, I know that he <laughs> – I was about to say that, by the way. Yes, but, but, you know, best against best in the biggest game, you, you want to put your defense out on the field to give your – you know, see what they can do to stop Mahomes. Um, you know, and and obviously if he had done uh, what he did with uh, Hardman um, getting the ball second when they got it first, then then it's moot. But I think you gotta you got to take your chances now. Yeah, listen, it's a little unforgivable for sure. Yes, there's a change in the playoffs. So did that confuse people? Maybe it did, but that's 
it's unforgivable that that would not be known and that decision would not have been set. Isn't there uh, a coach based on, and maybe they still take the ball first. Who knows? But you got you have a coach that's on every team that's dedicated to clock management, exactly. right? So you know, put a little extra in his job description. Yeah. Anyway, going back to the business aspect of this, we also predicted what would be a record um, viewer or what could be a record uh, viewership. We said the over-under was going to be at 116, which is high, and it did blow that number out of the water, actually becoming the second second most watched live event in the history of, um, of U.S. television, um, second only to the lunar landing in 1969. So pretty amazing, averaging uh, CBS averaging 120.3 million. Um, across all other platforms, um, delivering even more, um, peaking at much higher than that. And, and the women number, the women demographic uh, set a record as well, 58.8 million, most ever, and an increase of 9%. I'm not crediting that to uh, Taylor Swift in any way, but there was a lot of yeah, intrigue, a great what? matchup. Hmm? I said, wait, what? Which is yeah. the title right. of the, the podcast, according wait. to your backdrop. Yeah. But you you don't attribute it to Taylor. I, I'm not. I said not necessarily. I think I said not really? necessarily. Well, I'm not. I'm not not doing that. I hedge my bets all the time, and you know that man, right now, right? Man. Right? Yeah. I'm repo- I, I I definitely think it was a contributing factor in our business. We have to look for absolute attribution sometimes where none can be found. I don't think there is. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the only factor. I think it was a a, a great matchup. Certainly, it drove way more intrigue. There's no doubt about it. And yeah. I think maybe even some for all those people that seem to like to complain about the, you know, 30 seconds or whatever total that she was on. <laughs> on 54 TV. seconds, according right. to CBS and the NFL. Yeah. Which, which to some people seem to be the entire broadcast. Well, he, he, some people are never happy. So a couple of things I would say. Uh, number one, that the contortion in, in your uh, rationalization reminds <laughs> me of a famous li- uh, lyric by uh, Steely Dan, right? I would love to tour the Southland yeah. um, in a traveling minstrel show, right? The, from the song Pretzel Logic, Logic of the from the album of the same name. Number one, number two, hundred um, percent media equivalency of uh, Taylor Swift at fifty-four seconds would be, if my math is correct, six point three million, assuming the ad sold for seven million on the broadcast. No, more than that is a thirty-second on. For the seven, not a minute. Oh, right. Yeah, duh. So, yeah. So, my math was incorrect. <laughs> yeah. So, 14 million, right? Minus 10. So, about uh, about 12.6. I mean, it's funny, right? Because it, it went from an ad perspective, and we'll jump into that in a second, um, because I am i can't wait to hear your thoughts on, on the ads. I have some of mine. There were so many. I mean, there are always celebrities in Super Bowl ads. That's that's a, right. a an app, you know, something we, we've come to expect. I could be wrong, but it seemed like it was completely over the top where – Many ads just had so many celebrities jammed inside them. Taylor Swift, on the other hand, didn't have to buy. She Maybe she contributed to the cost of that suite. I don't know. Um, I heard that Travis Kelsey bought it. Good for him. Million-dollar suite, which is not an insignificant chunk of change for him, even with his great endorsement portfolio. And by the way, he's... He's pretty good in in his ads, I have to say. And he was good when he was on SNL. So he's got some of those chops as well. Yeah. And now with back-to-back Super Bowls here, you know, who knows what uh what his future is. His brother is, looks to be retiring. Um I'd rather be J- I'd rather be Jason and Travis. He is living not only his best life, he's living everybody's best life right now. 
<laughs> yes, he is. Well, let's jump into kind of the ad scene. We said we were going to talk about these. Um, I will say this right off the bat. I liked I liked the E-Trade baby spot that featured pickleball <laughs> because I will not, I will never not like one of their ads. It wasn't, I had expectations it could be the greatest ad I've ever seen in my life. And I wouldn't put it up there and certainly not anywhere close to the that great original one where he's in the clubhouse and he he tells the guy he he calls him yeah shankopotamus it's just i mean that was as brilliant as they become and it tied in so much better to the product which is ultimately what you're looking for yes celebrity appeal yes draw yes talk value and the the viral nature of these ads is very important but the ability to connect in a in a way that you know makes people think about the product and and uh, either wanting to try or go back to the product, I think ends up being important. So I don't think it did that in any way as great as some of the ones that they've done in the past. I still got a kick out of it, but it certainly wasn't like highest on my list. We, you had mentioned that the in the uh, USA, I think ad meter, you were you were using that as your baseline that the mm-hmm. fight sales spot would probably win, which it didn't. The one that seemed universally loved and finished top was the Arnold Schwarzenegger State Farm ad, NABA. Which, which I do think was clever. It wasn't my favorite ad, but I thought it was clever. And what I think State Farm does a really good job of, and, and this goes back to their Aaron Rodgers stuff with the discount double check. Right. Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers, but that was a great campaign because they yes. tied it to something. And the fact that you had their tagline, like a good neighbor, and it repeated over and over again with him trying to get it, I thought that was very clever. Now, Danny DeVito seems to be appearing in more stuff than I can imagine. The other thing I want to say is who revived Dan Marino's commercial appeal? He seems in, to be in every other ad too. Best, best agent in the world. Best whoever's agent in the world. Who's <laughs> ever representing him. So I, like you, I was disappointed in my uh, in my selection of the Clydesdale spot. I thought it would be more touching, more endearing, um, you know, sort of tug on the heartstrings as it has in the past. And it didn't. It was an okay spot. Um, I did like the I did like the um, the State Farm ad. I thought the, the including Danny DeVito um, in at the end of the spot was a little bit forced to me, right? You had to have you know there there's a certain percentage of the population who remembers their movie Twins, but I think there's probably a larger what you know it wasn't a classic movie by any means. Um, my favorite spot was uh, well, what was your favorite spot? Was it was it the State Farm? No, it wasn't the State Farm. I, I tend to like. I, I think once again the NFL completely crushed it with their ad. Um, they're born One to play. Halftime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought I that was very appealing, and I think their messaging was right in terms of where they're going. I love the Dove um, Hard Knocks ad, um, uh, girl in sport body image stuff. Yes. I tend to I tend to like that stuff that tries to have a little better message and tries to elevate the game a little bit. Not that I don't like the funny stuff I do. Speaking of one of my favorites, which was maybe weird, I'm a huge Michael Sarah fan. I think he's fantastic. So I really got a kick out of the Sarah V um, ad with him. I, I like I like that ad too. It got panned. It got uh, widely panned. Yeah. You know, I, it I, got I, it. It didn't do horribly in the USA Today one. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah, I I have to say that I, I did like the Christopher Walken spot <laughs> for BMW, but that's you know me. That was an ad. Uh, yeah, that some people uh, liked for sure. 
Uh, I like, but my favorite was um, my favorite was Ben Affleck in the Dunkin' Donuts spot, yeah. and particularly <laughs> Matt Damon, you know, uh, feigning or maybe not uh, feigning embarrassment of being in the spot. When watching the ad live, because I, I I try not to watch too many in advance because I want to see how they yep. land. I thought. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so over the top. And there's Tom Brady and there's Jack Harlow and there's um and, and there's obviously Matt Damon. I then watched the full like film of it, um, him thinking about the process and kind of mm -hmm. getting the nerve to do this and picking the outfits and going through the choreography classes. And then I'm like, okay, this is great. This is pretty good. And Affleck. I mean, Affleck's really good at poking fun at himself, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he and he did it. And you're right. The Matt Damon, but you know, he has he has two lines in it that are just gold. One is when he looks at J Lo and he goes, I'm so sorry, or something okay. like that. And then yeah. at the end, when he says, You know how I told you I'd do anything for you? This is but, anything, or yeah. whatever, something like that. Uh, those are those are well delivered and and it was a fun spot. And if they go with it in terms of the product in store. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's something pretty memorable. Well, I wanted to bring that up because a lot of times with the Super Bowl ads, marketers get a pass, right? Um, in terms of the effectiveness of the ad, right? In in um, in lieu of the creativity, right? They'll, they'll people will talk about the creativity, the humor, whatever it happens to be, the pathos, whatever it happens to be. But is the ad effective, right? And Duncan sold out of those. Uh, that garb that it sold in 20 minutes. So it must have driven significant traffic to their website. So on that level, it was really successful beyond just the creativity mm -hmm. of the spot. And then going back to, to the Dove spot, which again, I like those types of ads as well. To me, that's very authentic to the Dove brand, right? So I, I, I liked it from that perspective as, as well. So yes, I'd like to, I'd love to look at those for what make me laugh and what are funny. Um, I know the Tina Fey uh, bookies.com ad didn't get uh, didn't get a lot of love. Um, I liked it. I thought it was okay. I did particularly like when Jack Brea, right, who was um, you know from Thirty Rock, uh, was with the uh, the Sasquatch um, Tina Fey and the Sasquatch Tina Fey had Tina Fey's glasses on. I just thought that was incredible, uh, poking fun at oneself. Yeah, there were some there was some stuff that was funny. I kind of got a kick out of the Kawasaki mullet um spot uh with Stone Cold, I think. Yeah. Um in that. Uh there there were, I mean, speaking of things that that got panned a lit, there there was to me like massive confusion as to what was going on with homes.com and apartments.com um with with uh Daniel Levy. Uh didn't didn't like those uh at all. Um, and, and I have to say, and this is kind of sports industry tie. I think FanDuel needs to rethink this whole Gronk thing. Um, I, it's it's not it, it's not. I mean, I guess they put bets down. The only thing I'll give them huge props for is the Carl Weathers die. We lost Carl Weathers here just recently, yeah. who of course is the great played the great Apollo Creed, one of the greatest characters in a sports movie ever created. Um, not to mention Chubbs in uh, Happy Gilmore, which is another oh, yeah. great role. Uh, um, and and so he has a he's featured in the in the ad for this, but then they also were able to in time get in a you know uh, uh, a message of farewell to, to Carl Weathers who would pass. Anyway, I just I don't know the the moment that they're going to it live. You Why know, does he I, have the old style helmet with the single, you know, 
bar across the face mat. I mean, it was just, yeah. Somebody said, oh, do you think he missed it on purpose? And I'm like, he's not good enough to blink it on. He got, he got some leg on it this time. He just, yeah, he, he just, like, oh, yeah, he just, just, yeah. He just got Norwood. He's got Norwood. He went, he went Bill's wide right. Um, anyway, uh, listen, it was, it was very entertaining. You know, I popped down to Florida after coming back to London, was able to watch the game with my dad and, uh, my brother and, uh, and sister and, um, sister-in-law and, and Karen, and, and we had fun playing, you know, advertising bingo, uh, which is something I always break out for Super Bowl. So we, we had a good time and it keeps you kind of focused on these things. And, and the amount of production value that went into this years was as good as ever, of course. Um, you know, whether it was the best, uh, collection of advertising, we'll see, probably not. Um, but always, always a great entertaining piece. And I, I have to say this, and I'm not a big Usher listener. I thought Usher brought it. I thought the halftime show moved nicely, um, brought in some good guests and was, um, was, was largely entertaining. Yeah. Uh, listen, he, he did what he was supposed to have done. I'm not, I'm not, you know, very closely aligned to his music. Um, but I did think he had a good show. I think they were, they're, they're running out of acts. Right. When this started, right, when they first started, uh, you know, having big time acts. And I'm when I say big time acts, I'm talking even bigger than up with people, which to me is the all time best. Uh, that was a cult, by the way, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, but anyway, but you I mean, you think you've had Springsteen, you've had the Stones, you've had you two, you've had the who you've had. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, Prince. Prince. Prince, of course, is kind of the. You know, right. Yeah. Eddie, yeah. You too. Uh, you might have said you too. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's okay. There's a mix. There's that challenge of trying to be, and this is going to sound weird, classic and currently relevant. The last one, in my opinion, that that hit it was Lady Gaga. I thought she was. I thought she was ideal. To me, that was kind of like the 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 most recent form of of Prince being still very very relevant in his career. Yeah. Not that to me, Springsteen's always relevant. McCartney's always to some degree relevant, but they're just not from a super large popular culture standpoint. Now, they tried Coldplay. It was in Bruno Mars has been pretty impressive. Um, uh, and then they had Maroon 5, which most people have panned, you know, mercilessly. Yeah, but they had a lot of hits at that point, which was, you know, they were. And they haven't had one since. No, the, yeah, the curse of the Super Bowl. But yeah. um, I'm, anyway. I'm just wondering, like, who do you like? Taylor Swift will probably never do it. Now, right? it's not, not now. it's not worth it because then you have to pay for production. With, if she breaks up with Travis Kelsey, maybe she'll have some, you know, be able to. No, no, no. I, I'm trying to think who, you know, who would I like to see? Um, Taylor Swift Fighters? would be the act. Oh, that yeah. would be oh, the yeah. Act. You, right. Yeah, if you could get her, Foo Fighters. Uh, You'd have to do it with someone else a little more, less like you know that that type of rock. But I listen. I Dave Grohl to me is is modern day rock and roll personified, right? He is the, he is carrying the torch for for the for the real rock genre. Well, I I am always reminded of the great Jim Carrey upon receiving an MTV Music Award, and he came up and accepted, and then part of his acceptance speech, he said, "An MTV would it kill you to play a little bit more Foghat?" <laughs> so there's my choice there you go all right well before we get before we get off i just want to give one quick shout out um you know nielsen 
Ford's TV media valuation um, posted something just earlier today that there was a 1,674% lift in TV media value during the Super Bowl compared to the average game during the season. Yeah. So when when people say, well, why would you spend all that money on one spot? No less four if you're Temu. Um, there's, there's a big part of your answer. One of the other events that was going on this weekend was the Waste Management Phoenix <laughs> Open. Which, is in, which historically has been one of the most fun events on the PGA Tour right. calendar. And it, calendar, and it you know, obviously happens in Phoenix, not all that far away from, from where the Super Bowl was taking place. And it's, although being carried uh, you know, elsewhere, it is kind of a, a, a bit of a lead-in. And of course, as I was kind of getting ready to come and start watching, I'm my my father is watching the PGA Tour. He wants he loves watching golf, and I'm like, I think it's about time to start watching the pregame. But the tournament was coming down and ended up being a nice, uh, a very nice finish. <laughs> the reason I bring up this tournament is is because this tournament is famously known for its par three 16th hole which is probably the most raucous, if not the most raucous in the world in terms of a single hole where people come and they have a lot of fun. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of beer. There's a lot of throwing and screaming and yelling. Tiger famously had a hole in one on this hole, which kind of got his legend even more amped up uh, early in his career. But it looks like the the if the sh- if the shark hasn't been jumped on this thing some years ago, it certainly did, where the players were visibly – um, annoyed and getting in arguments with the fans. You may recall um, early in this show's history, um, we had the great fortune to interview uh, Norb Gambuza, uh, who's an exec with the PGA Tour. And we talked about, it was right around this time, actually. So it was coming off of the of that event. And he, he talked about, he goes, and, and there were some things that had happened there. And we were asking if there was, he goes, listen, if we could, if we could um, capture that energy uh, and apply it to other tournaments, we would do it um, because that is the type of energy that's awesome. Now they know that they they step over a little bit. So Norb had talked about about the energy there, and he wished they could bottle it up and so forth. And and it was I think an interesting observation. But now you get to a point where you're going to have to reel it back. The organizers of this particular tournament are are looking to enact things that just stop. They had to suspend beer sales um, at the tournament. They had more arrests by a long shot than they've ever had, more people kicked off the grounds than they've ever had. And so it's just gotten it's just gotten way out of control. So I, I bring that up because it's tied to this weekend and it it's you know it's it's something that you never really want to see because you just never know what could happen when there's that much alcohol consumed and you're that close to the field of play as you are on that hole uh, at that at that tournament. No, in this day and age, it wouldn't be that far out of the realm of possibility that players are in danger, right? Um, right. You know, that mix of alcohol and machismo. Listen, uh, we loved having Norb as a guest. He's obviously a highly respected person in the golf industry and uh, and the sports industry writ large. But I think something like that is unique to the course in Phoenix and the event in Phoenix, right? You wouldn't expect you wouldn't expect you know people to do that at East Lake in Atlanta around the tour championship or at Sawgrass for the players championship or, or most other events for that part, you know, uh, tournament PGA tour tournaments have their own personality, their own brand. 
right? And it's got to be authentic and organic to that brand. And now anybody who's even contemplating trying to recreate that is probably rethinking that strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think it is that fine line in a way of of having super enthused fans and wanting that. I don't want, you know, just, you know, state audiences that aren't getting fired up. It's certainly the thing that Tiger brought to the game so well, Arnold Palmer before uh, before him, it's like that super energy of of a crowd. Um, I, I I will say this, I you know one of the when I do go to a golf tournament, one of the things that I you know take on as a personal mission is find the idiot that says Baba Booey after every shot, uh, or it's in the hole after a tee shot or a shot from two hundred <laughs> yards out, and try to ridicule them as publicly as I can. Just just sharing that with people. Well, I I, I remember. At one point, when Greg Norman was still playing, um, he took a tee shot, and I, they didn't say Baba Bowie, but they might have said it's in the hole or "You're the man." I think yeah, was what. Yeah, that was the big thing there. And and Greg Norman turned around and looked at the guy and said, "Do you realize how ridiculous you sound when you say that?" So that's your Greg Norman. Yeah, there you attempt. go. Anything else you want to chat about before we uh, go to break and welcome a guest? Yeah, just real quick. Um, I want to give, uh, we'll talk about it later on because it just was announced within the last day or so, but ESPN has signed a deal with the college football players, playoffs, excuse me, six years, $7.8 billion to be the exclusive broadcaster of the college football playoffs as it expands in 2025 and beyond. So certainly something to watch. Um, who knows, uh, you know, if they're going to be able to make money on that. Obviously, they believe they do. They will. Um, but that's a big nut to cover. You know, we have a lot to look forward to in the college space, the college football space um, coming up with the changed playoffs, the new conference realignment. There's just going to be a lot of things that are new. And, um, you know, the money certainly is is not shrinking. And of course, we have to look forward to the comeback announcement of the Pac-12 that you've predicted as well in one form or another. And, we have some uh, time on that. We have some time. Let me. Yeah. Can I please? Can I am please enjoy not being completely <laughs> wrong about the Super Bowl game? Yeah, you know you weren't completely wrong at all. You picked the winner. Yeah. You had the right score differential. Uh, it just wasn't as close as just you. Not as close. Just not, <laughs> not quite as, as good close. As you. So one other thing that that needs because we're heading into NBA All Star Weekend. It's a big weekend in in sports coming up. One of the big ones on the calendar, especially from a sports marketing standpoint, in my opinion. But the NBA has had two huge announcements in in my view uh, here very very recently. Just this week. Um, SoFi coming on as the play-in tournament sponsor, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of the tournament that they've established to get the last few teams into the playoffs, which was a nice move just to add some additional excitement, keep more teams in play. Uh, SoFi, who is building quite a portfolio of, of pretty high-end properties, I think, um, is going to back that. And then previous to that, in a, in a topic we've talked about quite a bit on this show, Emirates, national airline of, uh, of the UAE, uh, and one that most people consider to be a real top-notch airline, obviously has a huge presence uh, all around the world, uh, including in the States, will be the title sponsor of the in-season tournament, which we gave strong props to uh, for for launching a, a new program with great success. We wondered who might be the logical partner. Well, we have that answer now, and it's going to be Emirates. So they're heading into their All-Star Weekend with some cool, cool news to ride uh, onto as they as they head into Indianapolis. 
Yeah, no, I think, yeah, we, we question why there wasn't a, a sponsor for the first iteration of the, of the tournament, but now obviously with the success, they were probably able to get a higher sponsorship fee than they might've uh, with somebody buying it without that history of it, even if it was just one year of history. So yeah, kudos to the NBA and we're looking forward to talking more about that. So with that, not that we can't go on with all kinds of other news, but we do have a guest to talk a little further on uh, on that particular subject uh, coming right after this break. It's time for our guest. Okay, we have a massive treat for you today. With the NBA All-Star Weekend ready to kick off from Indianapolis, we have the Executive Vice President, Global Partnerships and Media at the NBA, one of the league's top executives, Kerry Tatlock, with us. In her role, Carrie oversees the league's marketing partner relationships and new business development globally, including the NBA, WNBA, G League, NBA 2K League, and USA Basketball. And one final note, Tim and I don't agree on everything, but one thing we absolutely do agree on is that Carrie is not only one of the true sports biz pros, but a great person that we feel the NBA is fortunate to have in this critical role. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you, David. Thanks, Tim. Good to be here. Thanks for the intro. So we're we're gonna we're gonna jump right in and and kind of let you give an overview. You're you're in Indianapolis for the 73rd All Star Game. First time the game has been played there since 1985. Share some details about what's going on there this weekend. What the fans can expect from uh, uh, from All Star Weekend. Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, here in Indianapolis, um, I'd say we. Um, more than anything, have a sort of back to basketball theme, um, sort of holistically speaking. In Indianapolis, hard to not be focused exclusively on the game. And of course, you know, we always have been, but with All-Star, there's a lot of other activity. But um, but the theme really this year, I'd say, is back to basketball. In fact, I got off the plane late last night and there's a half court in the airport. So it starts, you know, the moment you get off the plane, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, the format previously of the actual All-Star game, we had played around a bit with some innovations, Elon ending last year and last couple of years, but we'll have the traditional game format. Um, and basketball is pretty much taken over the city right now. So um, I haven't had a chance yet to take in everything in that it's um, Thursday now, but um, but we'll, uh, we have a record number of partners activating. We've got a record number of guests, I think, attending and coming. So um, it's terrific, really exciting times. That's great. And as if all-star festivities weren't enough to keep you busy, over the last couple of weeks, you've had some really major announcements on the partnership side. Uh, Emirates Airline recently named the title partner of the in-season tournament, um, which David and I talked about at great length during the tournament. We both, I think, loved it. Um, and then just this past week, naming SoFi as a title sponsor of the play-in tournament for the postseason. So uh, give us a little bit about what that means to the league and, and what these partners will be bringing to the table. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, Emirates um, has come on, like you said, Tim, um, uh, our most recent global partner um, and and frankly, first global airline partner that the NBA has ever had. We had a, a smaller relationship over a decade ago, I think. Um, so uh, exciting for us. And, you know, you mentioned two um, also new 
uh, assets, if you will, between the NBA Cup, um, which is now a renamed former in-season tournament. So um, NBA Cup, which is not unlike an in-season tournament um, that you see in, in European football. Um, and, you know, we just had our first inaugural Cup um, this past uh, fall um, to great success. I mean, we learned a lot. Um, we'll be making some tweaks to it, but um, it was terrific. And I think um, from the start, you know, I think there was some question around, you know, what, you know, our U.S. fans, aren't necessarily as attuned to doing these top cup type um, formats, but um, but it was great. It sort of infused um, a lot of excitement into um, the early part of the NBA season, um, you know, in November, December, um, you know, super competitive um, and, you know, we're excited about it. And, you know, Emirates looked at that as a new opportunity um, as well as, uh, in fact, they will brand our referee jerseys. So um, that's something that they do across some other European um, um, leagues. Um, and so that integration, um, you know, it was the right time, the right moment. Um, so we're really excited about our Emirates partnership. Um, and then, like you said, we just announced SoFi, which is another terrific partner um, and also a kind of newer um, around a newer opportunity in the play in tournament. The play in tournament started actually during the bubble in 2020 when we had to creatively end the 2020 season and go into um, the postseason um, during, uh, you know, the the early days of the pandemic. Um, so that became also kind of an exciting new um, sort of uh, element to our game. Um, and SoFi, great partner. Um, we're really looking forward to working with them and sort of along shared values as well with their focus on um, really accessibility of banking. Um, and it comes off, you know, some other partnerships that we meant that we uh, actually announced earlier in the year. We have a new partnership in Skims this year, so they were that was a another fun one to announce um, at the beginning of the season. Um, and then I think um, shortly after that was Peloton as well. So we've had a host of new partners um, that have sort of joined the family. Um, though interestingly, I was, I was taking a look. I don't know that I have the exact stat, but. Um, I'd say over 30% of our partners are also 10 years plus. So we have sort of both ends of the spectrum, a bunch of new partners and then um, some longstanding partners as well. Well, listen, con congrats on on all that success. It, it is exciting. I, I do want to say I feel like I, I feel like I was like there in a way on particularly the Emirates deal because Tim, I don't know if you know this, but I'm like, I think I don't know if it was Qatar or Abu Dhabi, probably Qatar, right? Where did I see you and Mark like on your way out to the grid at an F1 race? Oh yeah, that was yeah exactly. I was like, wait, that's right. And, that I was, was talking to me. I'm assuming there was some discussion going on at that time, finalizing the deal while you were over there, because I know that you spent some time in in UAE with uh, some teams going over there. So. Yeah, we were in Abu Dhabi in October, so that's exactly yeah. when we saw each other. So yeah. we had two games and uh, second um, second year of games in Abu Dhabi, and we'll return again next year. Right. So what I'm trying to figure out, though, Kerry, is how he's taking credit for this. I'm, I, not, I'm not taking credit. credit. I stopped short. I stopped that's short. Exactly of taking what credit. you're trying to do. I stopped. I was trying short. to follow the thread there. I definitively stopped short of taking credit. <laughs> I was I thinking about to, I th it. I, was, I think. I was, should we drop the red flag? Like I would know. I think the red flag would, would support <laughs> I see me on this. Let's see how this works. <laughs> I think I'm. I think what I said was I felt like I was kind of there in and around when this was all getting finalized. So I'm. Okay. I'm not. All right. Thinking. And all I right. was happy to be. I was happy to play whatever supporting role I could <laughs> in the <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, um, like, the, like the rooster takes credit for the sunrise. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so listen, you 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 talked about you know kind of what you're expecting from some of these some of these new partners, but the NBA All Star Game has always been one of the great highlight activation highlights of the sports marketing calendar. New products are often mm-hmm. launched. You obviously have mm-hmm. the Tech Summit. Um, what? Anything big that you're really excited about from from any of your partners? Yeah, I think one of the sort of anchors of the weekend, frankly, is what we call NBA crossover, and that's presented by AT and T. And it's what I, I for those that have been to All Star, it's sort of your former jam session, if you will, which used to be a big convention hall and sort of activations that were um, you know one after the other. But this is really you know crossover is something that we developed a couple of years ago, and it's more so bringing basketball culture to the forefront. Um, and the activation is more centered around not only basketball but art, music, fashion, technology. So we have a record number of partners um, uh, activating at crossover. Um, you know, a couple of favorites, I guess, on the newer partnership side. I was just there earlier um, checking it out. But DoorDash, which is a one of our newer partners, is activating with a bodega. Um, uh, so that's that. That's a it, you know pretty cool. Um, AT&T coming big. They always, um, you know, bring their sort of 5G experience, but fans can come in and experience, um, you know, all of the basketball culture that our partners bring to bear. Um, And then, you know, throughout there, in some cases, like Google, which is another, um, a a more recent partner, but Google Pixel activate both at Crossover, but also have their own activation space that kind of continues their brand campaign, um, which which is with their um, uh, sort of comedian and and, um, endorser and Drewski. So um, partners are doing things sort of all over the map, which is super fun. Um, And then going back to, you know, some of our our, our events, we're doing new things with our partners. So one of the um, innovations this year which you you can't miss if you turn on the um, the game, both games at Lucas Oil, actually both Friday night and Saturday night. But um, we'll have a glass LED court, which you may have seen. Um, we did some new courts, you know, around in-season tournament. This sort of takes it to the next level. So there's, um, you know, definitely tune in for All-Star Saturday night. But the court will change, entirely change color for each of the Saturday night events. Brands will be fully integrated into the court. Um, so just a really cool experience. Um, what am I looking forward to the most? You know, one of the things I'm looking forward to, frankly, I was at the WNBA All-Star Game this summer and saw Sabrina's, um, Sabrina Ionesca's um, three-point contest live, which was just like so remarkable. And now we've got the um, matchup between Sabrina and Steph Curry, um, which will be also on All-Star Saturday night. So personally speaking, I think I have to say that I'm really looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, that's <laughs> must watch. That's must watch. Oh, that's going to be great. Yeah really fun. I know there's been some, uh, there's been some good back and forth in the media um, uh, with these guys. So that would be super fun. Very cool. So as David mentioned in his introduction, you've been with the league for almost 20 years now, right? It's going back to 2005. So take us through um, your approach, your philosophy, how you go about bringing in sponsors, what's your philosophy of managing those relationships and because obviously, you know, the NBA has a, a roster of sponsors that's, um, you know, second to none when it comes to professional sports leagues. 
Uh, no, I appreciate that. I, I, I thank you for um, reminding me of the length of time. So the clarity. <laughs> well, you started when you were eight. So gosh. Um, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Um, no, it's been, you know, an amazing ride. And, you know, I, I was actually telling the story somewhat recently when I first came on to the partnership among the partners that I, sorry, when I first came into the league, I've always been on the partnership side of the business. I've had many different roles within the partnership business, but, um, you know, one of my, I, I guess my first role roster of partners, I manage the Gatorade business, which is still, you know, like I said, a, a partner today and actually our longest standing partner. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I would say, you know, not unlike what's happened and you've seen sort of across the marketplace, but, uh, you know, first and foremost, just building relationships, finding common values, uh, you know, it doesn't work to just, um, you know, find partners who are willing to spend money, but those that you're really able to collaborate together on your shared priorities. Um, you know, we take a lot of care um, and consideration in that and think about, you know, what are the partners can bring, what partners can bring us to new audiences? What partners can we most help and bring along in business? Often those challenger brands, I think, are some of our um, greatest stories. I mean, I, when Kia first started, you know, they, um, they were struggling with perception, um, brand perception issues, and we built a whole platform around um, performance. Um, and they still are, they're one of the partners who are approaching, God, almost two decades now. Um, but, you know, just really working with partners on thinking about and, and understanding what they're trying to achieve. And frankly, just constantly innovating. You can't really do that without, you, know, you can't really have longstanding partners that are decades um, in length without continually innovating. Um, so we take great pride in that. Um, you know, I think that those are some of the, I guess, evolutions that have happened. You know, we're really, we, we always think about what the marketplace is doing, how to reach fans in new and different ways. Um, and really, um, like I said, collaborating with our partners to do that. We don't we don't assume that we have all the answers, so we really lean on our partners to do it together. Um, so just a couple a couple highlights. Yeah, well, I I, I will say that uh, being able to work on the Kia business for a couple of years when I was right. with it, IMG was one of the highlights of my professional career. Working with the the fantastic Cat Gaines at the NBA, and we yeah. actually we actually pulled off. Blake Griffin jumping over a Kia Optima and at the all-star game in LA, yeah. which. Yeah. I have, I have the image yeah. in my office actually. <laughs> as, as do I. And I Carrie, if it, if it wasn't such an awesome moment, I would give Tim a hard time about bringing that up so much, but it is that awesome of a moment yeah. and something he should be proud of. And you should be proud of because it's definitely one of those things seared in all of our heads that are in this business for sure. It's it's Nobody fun. less than Bill Simmons called it the greatest brand integration of all time. So I plan to be on this planet for many more years, but I already have, I already have my tombstone. <laughs> and that's going to be on it. Loving husband, father, part of the greatest brand. Greatest brand innovation. I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, um, I, I'm guessing you're not going to be able to give us too much detail on where things are going from a media negotiation standpoint. Um, and the current distribution deals between ESPN and, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery uh, slash Turner mm -hmm. runs through the 24-25 season. I think most people expect that that will be negotiated or finalized during this calendar year. Um, you can correct us if that's anything different. Mm -hmm. But we we suspect that, like I said, while you, you may not share any details on the negotiations, we, we are kind of curious about how your um, 
media partnerships, the league's media partnerships come into play with your sponsors? How how do you how do you pitch them? How do you involve them with them? And how much of an asset are those to your partners? Uh, yeah, they're great assets. I mean, we partner across both, um, you know, Turner and and the ESPN family really deeply. I mean, even here this weekend, as I know you both know, we have our NBA celebrity game, our Ruffles um, NBA celebrity game tomorrow night, Friday night on um, on ESPN. And then Turner is, you know, Saturday and Sunday. So even in a weekend like this, we're partnered with um, both um, of our media partners here um, and across All-Star Weekend. Uh, and, you know, it's it's very collaborative, particularly with our partners. Uh, so, so particularly those that are integrated into the game, um, we collaborate on an ongoing basis with each of them. And, and you know, you, you asked the question about either what's changed or you know, how do we approach partnerships. And in many um, cases, we also, we do look at how do we connect our partners as close to the game as possible. And we do that together, you know, with our, with our media partners. Um, so they play, a, they play a, a big role. Um, and, and I don't see that, you know, certainly changing over time either. You started your career when David Stern was commissioner of the NBA. Um, a true visionary in, in the sports world. You now work ultimately for Adam Silver, who is widely regarded as uh, an incredibly successful successor uh, to David Stern. What What's the biggest difference that you've seen in how the NBA does business under Commissioner Stern versus under Commissioner Silver. Gosh, you know, I, I feel really fortunate to have worked sort of under and in both organizations. Um, I would actually say it, what what is most remarkable to me is is how uh, just right of a leader each was during those respective times. So, you know, it's just, you could have never envisioned some of the things that um, Adam Silver as commissioner has had to endure between um, a global pandemic, some of the more increasing geopolitical tensions. I mean, it's just really um, a different world um, altogether. Um, you know, David, like you said, Tim was such a visionary, um, you know, my, my exposure to him probably more so just in the role that I had at the time um, was more so around his vision around the global growth of the game and international um, and now how Adam has just taken that and and just um, run with it. So um, I think the the most um, the the biggest takeaway for me is just what remarkable and great you know leaders they were during their respective times more than anything. Yeah, we appreciate that. I think that was a great way to put it. They were kind of right for their times. And as you said, Adam came into this, you know, on the Donald Sterling news mm -hmm. and having to make some big decisions. And he obviously has stepped up to those challenges. It's been very impressive. All right, listen, you completely crushed all, the, all of our questions. So now we get to the kind of end game here, if you will. Okay, game. Okay. And so we have, we, have two questions, we have two questions that we ask to every guest. Okay. And the first one is. Where'd your career get started? Where'd you start it? 
how did I get the start? So, um, you know, I went to a, I went to Vassar College, so um, smaller liberal arts college. Did not anticipate, just full candor, that I would have a career in sports. Um, started my career. I was a, I, my first job out of college was as a temp at MTV Networks, um, which owned and still, you know, is in the same family um, with Nickelodeon. So I ultimately landed a job in communications at Nickelodeon, actually doing launching. Um, on the PR side or communication side, launching channels outside the U.S. That's also a little bit how I got my my international itch. Um, and my um, boss at the time, um, her husband was starting at a sports marketing company called the Marquee Group, which David, you may um, in particular, Tim, I see you nodding, um, recall. So, um, you know, I worked at a big brand, not for very long. I was at Nickelodeon for about three or four years. Um, and I thought sports marketing, that sounds kind of cool and interesting. And, you know, why not? Um, I was kind of looking around and I had a job offer from Disney, which I felt like would be there, you know, still be there and, and decided why not take that leap. And um, it was, you know, there at the Marquee Group that I was introduced actually to the women's national soccer team um, and worked quite closely on uh, working on their brand and bringing sort of their um, marketing um, more front and center um, and actually was on the women's side for, for much longer. So I didn't I didn't go into my professional career anticipating a career in sports, like I said, but, um, you know, found an opportunity, decided to take that opportunity. Um, and since then, you know, all of my opportunities since have been through the relationships that I've built or the circumstances that I've been able to um, to be in um, and has just led to different things. I thought I was, and, and I have been, I have a great passion for the women's side of the game. I was in soccer for some time and um, came over to the NBA um, after, um, you know, after a run at uh, the a previous women's professional soccer league, the WUSA, and actually consulted for the WNBA as my first job. And then Mark Tatum plucked me to come to the NBA. Um, and now I, I, I thankfully still work across the W, but um, so it was a little bit, of, it was not a straight line, um, but uh, but that's a bit of the the path that I had. Yeah, it rarely is. I mean, some of the best paths I've seen have have been these kind of crooked ones and, and you just get so much experience. Yes, I think we all, I think the three of us actually probably overlap to some yeah. degree Tim maybe came in a little later on the CMI side, yep. um, but but uh, you yeah, know so you of the, the SFX Sports days, right? Yeah, of the yeah. of the ProServe then Marquee mm -hmm. Group, right? And then SFX Sports, then Clear Channel Entertainment slash um, CMI. Uh, yeah, it was it was, and that was for me over a four year period. So the yeah. names were changing pretty <laughs> wow. quickly. And I think you know it, the one thing it does show you, and I know you know our paths have crossed in so many different ways and times over the years it's a small it's a small world the sports is a small world it, it it doesn't sometimes feel that way but you know i know you've had guests from our back on our marquee and sfx days and you know we still we all overlap and we have for a long time so it's kind of fun to to think through that and the last one is is one piece of advice that you would give probably a young person looking to break into the into the sports industry I think I'd say, you know, be be open minded and be flexible. I think, you know, you can have in mind kind of what the, you think your ideal job is and where you want to be. But, uh, you know, take every opportunity and experience in and of itself as as just that an opportunity. And you never know where it's going to lead you. We just talked about the. 
um, sports world. I mean, the, the business world can be small as well, but the sports world in particular and every experience I think you can learn. And I think my greatest experiences were more so um, out of just raising my hand, being interested, being flexible, being a sponge um, and not really worrying about necessarily like where exactly it would lead me or whether I was doing exactly the job that I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, you know, at least in my case, it served me well. And I feel like that's the that's probably the piece of advice I would give um, to, to, you know, anyone either breaking into the business or trying trying to break into the business. Um, I, I think that's the that's the one I'd go to. Well, it's great advice, and we appreciate you you phrased that up in a in a very nice way. Um, and Carrie, we can't thank you enough for taking some time with us, especially during this very busy time. We wish you nothing but uh, the best of luck during uh, during this next weekend. We will be watching and cheering for all our friends at the uh, at the NBA. Uh, and so appreciate right. your insights. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, David. Appreciate uh, you. That was a great guest segment. I mean, I feel really fortunate that we were able to get Carrie here while she's um, heading into this very, very busy weekend. She's a true pro, as you and I both know. And uh, I think just one of the one of the, you know, really great people to be associated with or be around in this business. Yeah, as I said off air, right, she's been doing this at the NBA for a long time. She's had tremendous success and she's earned every bit of it. And she hasn't changed in nearly 20 mm -hmm. years. She's still the m most wonderful, lovely person that you can ever hope to meet. So what a great, great. cast. You're right. Great testament to her, Tim. But we have arrived at the time of the show when we take a peek ahead. Uh, to look at stories we're following or things that uh, we might be watching. So, Tim, what do you got your eye on? Well, uh, pitchers and catchers are reporting, so spring wow. far away. Um, today, as you know, is my uh, favorite holiday of the year. It's the day when Top Series 1 baseball uh, is released, so I'm anxiously wa watching the mailbox for my boxes to come in. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to, um, we were talking before about Dove, uh, Jenny Kavnar was uh, just announced that she will be the play-by-play -play announcer for the Oakland A's this year on their home broadcast, or on their, their broadcast. Um, first time that a woman um, is the play-by-play -play announcer uh, from the league baseball team. We, you know, here in New York, we have Susan Waldman, who does color on the radio with uh, with the, the great uh, uh john sterling but um and she has uh, she's been around the yankees for many many years but this is the first time that somebody uh, a woman is getting the chance to do play by play so another another glass ceiling shattered so yeah it's it's really great and, and one thing i i want to mention because we neglected to it and i'm going to call us out on that neglected last week to reference uh it being national girls and women in sports day uh, which is uh, which is something that was was celebrated last week, and 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 we probably should have mentioned it uh, during our show. But the but these things, along with the Dove ad and some of these announcements, again, I think just make it more natural, more comfortable for girls and, and women to remain in sports, either as a player or within the the business around them, and and doing things um, that that typically hadn't been done uh, by women. So. I think that's all great news. We certainly 
you and I both know some amazing uh, female executives in this business that we've had the opportunity to work with, work for. So, you know, the more of the, these stories we hear, I think that you and I both think those are all nothing but positives. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. a couple of things. I mean, listen, it, it, you know, NBA All-Star Game, Daytona 500. These are This is a huge weekend every year for the marketing side. Daytona 500 is where you know, car designs oftentimes you see uh, generally uh, any brand that's activating around uh, NASCAR will be doing something with Daytona 500. And the NBA All-Star Game weekend has always been uh, for a long time a real showcase. Uh, Technology Summit, um, uh, various other you know uh, uh, things that the NBA does to really honor um, sponsors, sponsors bring out new brands, new shoe brands are launched, uh, et cetera. So always a great thing. So I'm certainly looking forward to, um, you know, to tuning in as best I can, uh, to those events and, and looking at it both as a, uh, as a fan and, and as a marketer. I uh, also want to say that several weeks ago, we talked about the monumental plan move to Virginia from that, from the district, uh, in Washington, DC, uh, something that we, you know, challenge them a little bit on, um, and you know, is it is it the right move, uh, and whether this was going to sail through? Well, a lot of people are trying to make this not an easy move. It looks like so some things are getting bogged down there. Not not totally surprisingly, not that I expect it to not happen eventually, um, but uh, monumental um, sports, which owns, of course, the Wizards and the Capitals and the Mystics. Um, maybe not as easy a move as they had originally thought and moving over to the Alexandria area. So, well, that brings our 80th episode to a close 80th episode. Wow. That's a milestone 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 for sure. Thank you for spending a little time with us. Uh, as always, if you do enjoy what you're hearing, we hope you'll share. We hope you'll like it. Um, you know, the drill of course. So until next time I'm DP, he's McGee and we'll talk soon. Thanks to you.